Well, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Karsten. Well, my name's Karsten, but my title is Pastor. With me is my good friend Casey Orr. I go by producer Casey. Producer, no, that's producer, not. high producer. Could, what you, it, high could producer. you be the high producer? I don't know. You're like um, a low producer. <laughs> well, not low. See, what would, it, would it be interesting if we referred to everybody by their job title? Yes. Like we have a here. We have teacher Sarah and uh, yes. I don't know, yeah, I know exactly. Well, Karsten and Casey with you for another week of the companion podcast where uh, we do this so that we can help extend the content on Sunday into our life, how we think and how we're forming our attitudes and how we're leading ourselves and our families and our friends. And maybe for some of us, uh, you know, a business or we're leading others because we're a manager. We want God's word to make it into everything that we do. And this weekend uh, was a great message mm-hmm. by Keith Couts. And uh, it was one of my favorite that I have heard from Keith. I mean, yeah. the whole time he had me, it was amazing content, the way he developed it. What are some of your thoughts, Casey, from Sunday? So first of all, I'd lead with like uh, my wife loves uh, stuff when Keith does it because he has a very concrete, sequential for- way of yeah. pr- pr- producing thing. He had a lot more funny content than sometimes <laughs> this time. I was surprised. He shocked me with a couple of really funny jokes but he would uh, say we're we're all in the same boat yeah you know, uh, totally on accident yeah. Noah. just like noah we're all in the same Pun boat intended. and then he stopped because he didn't mean to and everybody laughed and he had to like recover because i don't think he's used to being he's funny like, where am i in my notes yeah um but my wife really likes the way the concrete sequential way he he lays stuff out he has very clear points very clear things he gets through from one to the other um like uh setting out the 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 similarities between uh, Noah's day and our day, which we'll talk about in a minute, which talking about the different ways that you can see uh, and take an example of what the way Noah lived and like measure that with your life. And that's really what we're trying to do here is find ways to say, okay, how to, instead of like just nodding and being kind of like, Oh yeah, totally. Right, that's Sunday, a nice story. You're like, no, no, no. And no, then like, going back on Monday and putting your head down. Um, how can we go in and like, and, and have our head, you know, filled with that thing throughout the week and actually be, heads up, you know, uh, putting the message into practice in our lives. And I think there's a lot to, to talk about with that one today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things I saw was he, and, and we were talking about this before, is all of this series putting together is really shaping up. And I think the big thing, um, one of the big things is to recognize that the the purpose of the whole thing is, or the, the premise of the whole Valor series is that, is to have courage in the face of battle. So there has to be, there doesn't have to be a battle, but there is, there is a yeah, battle. It's trying to help people to see yeah. you are in a battle. Lots yeah. of battles, actually. Yeah. Lots of battle. The world, um, the world we live in is a spiritual battlefield as we hear Paul described in lots of the other letters. Um, we understand that, but then we all have our personal little battlefields like the, whether it be at work or with a friend, a friend who struggles with a uh, faith or, or themselves or sin or whatever, like there's lots of places and we've been challenging the last couple of weeks. If you haven't joined us to think about like where in your life is your battlefield that God may have specifically placed you in with your gifts so that you could be um, fighting in that, on that sphere. Absolutely. You know, Casey, I was thinking about those that serve or mm-hmm. work full time in politics. Oh gosh. Yeah. They're very aware of a battle, <laughs> right? Like it's like every day I go into work and I know the other side's whatever color is for them and we yeah. have our color and they have their animal and we have our animal and unless you're a third party. So yeah. uh but anyways, you still know that like other people are like in some sometimes like vehemently against 
you know, what you believe in yeah. your political party. So I feel like they show up and they work and they know it's a battle. But I, you know, we're reading a book right now for young guns mm-hmm. <clears throat> that is very much focused on what is your worldview? Yeah. How do you see the world? What is reality? And yeah. I feel like Valor is helping us on that mm-hmm. end of things to be like, you know what? Actually, every day that you... Uh, interact with people that you go to work that you watch shows Mm -hmm. there are things that are trying to shape how you see the world and what is real and what is true and what is truth yeah they're trying to warp the image of what you have we uses the idea of uh, puzzle pieces is that those of us who are who are christians and have a faith with the with the word and all that stuff we have a picture on the front of the puzzle box we know what all the pieces should add up to be whereas a lot of people just go through life and like they, they they have beliefs, but they don't really know what they are. They're not really organized. They just, you know, they watch the news and they grab a puzzle piece and they put that sure. in their pocket or on their pile. And then you got they a read friend a book. that's harping on this one thing. They're like, oh, well, oh. I, I kind of don't like that either. Yeah, so that, I'm going to grab that puzzle piece. And put it in my pile. And then we never, actually, and a lot of times we don't spend, or a lot of people don't spend a lot of time trying to put those pieces together to see if it really actually adds up to a picture and a lot of Christians he talked about will have all the puzzle pieces, but we don't usually like necessarily add them up to really get a bigger idea of what the picture is either. That's a way where we cannot, we don't. So when we face untruth, we do, and yes. unreality, we don't know how to say that's, that's not correct. And I feel <laughs> like there's kind of, there's two, two ways that <clears throat> you take your puzzle pieces and you can say, are these, are these the right ones? Mm-hmm. And are they being put together in the right way? A, you got to know your Bible. Yeah. That is one of the biggest, um, you know, comparisons, filters to say, does this worldview piece thing mm-hmm. that I believe, does that square with scripture? Yeah. The other one that's highly relational, super practical. It's like, did Jesus do it? Yeah. Would Jesus do there it? I mean, Jesus, a lot of times is like, you can just take this puzzle piece and be like, Jesus, what do you think? And he's like, no, that, that, that's not good. And he's like, okay, yeah. all right, they'll throw that away. <laughs> so so if you look at the front of the box, this is a puzzle about undersea adventures, and that is a clown face on that puzzle piece. So I don't, I don't think that goes with this puzzle. So so for, for this week with Noah and Valor, Keith did such a good job of mm. setting up the battle mm-hmm. that Noah faced. And you're like, well, it's not a battle. To build a boat, unless you've tried to build a boat. That is a battle. It took him like 75 to 120 years, depending on what scholars think. But like that was a battle, I'm sure, just to be patient and trust God. How many of you guys listening right now, that's where you're at. You're like, yep, that's a battle for me. Patience Mm -hmm. in God's plan and trusting him. I got to drop another quote from this book that we're reading. But they said, um, rather than... Believing that God has a wonderful plan for your life and putting you at the center. Yeah. It says God has a wonderful plan, plan. and your life fits into mm. it. Yep. And it's such, if you just let that sink in, it's very different from like, God's got a wonderful plan for your life and, yeah. and you're the center rather than like God yeah. is the center. Which makes it sound he like there's nothing but wonderful things that'll end up happening in your, happening in your life. But that's yeah. not, it's not always the case. It's God's story and mm-hmm. we get to be, we get the privilege of being part of it. And but, so for Noah, being in part of God's story was mm. that he found favor. Keith said he didn't earn favor. He found mm. favor. God told him to build a boat. He had the battle of patience and trusting in the Lord, which mm. some of us are like, amen on that. Uh, you know, I shared my dad is not a believer. Mm. I mean, that's decades of praying the same prayer that my dad might accept Christ. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. Well, and people lived for a really long time in that, or, or at least some of them lived for a really long time um, in that period of the yes. Bible, the way it described. So Noah's father was probably still alive. Why wasn't Noah's dad on the boat? 
Mm. Like, why wasn't his mom and his mother-in-law and his cousin and his uncle and his friends? Sure, how much family did he have? Yeah, how many people did he have in his life, even related to him, who did not have the same walk with God and did not share that understanding of of reality that God is at the center and He's the one we owe our owe, owe our time and our lives to? And he had to get on that boat without some people. Not just mm-hmm. the crazy, evil, mean people in the world who you'd think it'd be easy to, it might be easier to leave behind, but some people that he probably really wished would have gotten on that boat with him. That's a really, I mean, it's completely on, on track, Casey. That's a heavy thought. You mm-hmm. know, it's like <clears throat> you just assume, well, he took his family. You're like, but what if he had other family members that mm-hmm. didn't get on the boat? Keith suggested yeah. that it was open to everybody to get on the boat. I don't that's, think there's scripture yeah, that that's, says that's, that. That's true. That's a good point. But, but I mean, still, people for 75 to 100 years were watching Noah build this thing, mm-hmm. and then the rain came. So you'd yeah. have to think, like, well, I don't know, maybe, and they still didn't get on. I don't know. <clears throat> but we got to take a, a brief commercial break for a thought, and then what we're going to come back to is the four things <clears throat> that Keith identified as the battleground for Noah. Mm-hmm. He talked about a um, high degree of sexual immorality, yep. a high degree of violence, all different types, a disregard for truth, selfishness, and greed. So we're going to come back to that, yep. and we're going to look at those four things as a battleground for Noah, but then also for us, we've got a little zinger that Keith said that's like we're going to kind of play off of that and we're going to look to Jesus but here's the commercial Keith didn't explain this but he talked about there being no rain Mm. so and no rivers and Noah was 100 miles from the nearest coast Mm. so I think we should spend a little bit of time on the Christian theory Mm. before the flood and you and I didn't even prep about this but like do you know some of the running thoughts of that there was no rain and why people live so long? I I honestly was not sure what he was talking about. I okay. was kind of like, what about? So maybe this is all worth? the bodies of water. Yeah, I was, look, at, yeah. I'm no scientist, uh, nor is this my my my, my field of expertise. Yeah. But follow me. I know enough to be dangerous. Okay, yeah. so the world um, uh, when the it talks about the flood, it talks about the waters came up mm-hmm. from the ground, from the deep, and, yeah. and then also you know it it rained. Yeah. Well, some Christian. Uh, you know, young earth uh, folks mm-hmm. said that there was this encapsulating, um, I don't know if the right word is like stratosphere, but just think about water completely protecting the earth. Oh, like that there was this sphere of water. So they said everything was watered, not by rain, but by mist. Mm. So there was, a, there was enough uh, moisture to take care of the crops. Plus there was water from the ground. So they would have gotten their water through like yeah. wells or there probably were creeks and rivers and stuff, but there was no rain. Mm. So there was just this, there was this, uh, a different way, like a greenhouse effect, yeah. like a greenhouse with tons and tons of moisture. Yeah. And then it just replenished itself. Like but the there lilacs was never that grow rain. in my bathroom that I never water. It's just the steam that waters it. There you go. Um, <laughs> but then also is that the one of the reasons we age is because our cells break down due to the radiation of the sun. Mm-hmm. So if there's this massive oh. layer of water, plus you're going back, he's only nine generations from Adam and Eve. Yeah. So if you have, I don't know how this works, but you know, just pure DNA from oh, the yeah. start, it's hasn't been that long. God hadn't given any edict that they couldn't live that long. So they're in like, again, kind of like this greenhouse. They're like in this perfect environment protected by the sun, yet there's sunlight. They have the water they need, yet it doesn't rain. And it's this perfect like greenhouse, not just for plants and animals, but like for people. And then after the flood, they lost that layer of protection and people lived a lot 
uh, they didn't live as long yeah, after yeah. the flood. Well, I had that thought before too, that the just genealogically that the farther they went from that, that kind of, I don't want to say the word magical, but that really special spark of initial creation. Right. Um, and that's where the, the whole like life. Uh, and I think, I think also after Bethel, not Bethel, mm-hmm. the tower of Babel, God said, and they're only going to live this long because otherwise they get they they get a little too headstrong. Yeah, um, and then one last commercial is dinosaurs. Where yeah. do dinosaurs fit in? If people are living nine hundred years, yeah, uh, reptiles don't stop growing until they die. Ooh. You ever thought about that? No, I not saying that's where yeah. it comes from, folks. Yeah. But but like like reptiles <laughs> don't stop growing like until they die. So really? someone someone that. said that like that's that was their theory on dinosaurs was like I don't know give an iguana 900 years and to see be alive, what it yeah. turns into. Gosh, well, so <laughs> that was fun and I we should definitely maybe do a whole separate podcast <laughs> like series just about those kind of things, but yeah. um but yeah, no, I wondered about that when he said that, but um okay. so, so yeah, we had we had I, I was like I wanted him to say something. I'm like, he's not going to go there. He's just he, gonna, he doesn't have time. He no are, rain. Yeah. How'd they survive? Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, how about he, anyway. um, you know, Casey going back into what we were supposed to talk about, yeah. but I couldn't help it. It's it all right. So, that's so fun. We're talking about greenhouses and dinosaurs. Um, see God's word. It's not, it's not boring. Um, so there was four battlefields that Keith talked about for Noah, mm-hmm. uh, the battlefield. There's a high degree of sexual immorality in his age, which must've been so hard way back then. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 he, he really made the pretty clear implication of mm-hmm. that. I think we can, we can, every time he listed one of these things before he even said anything about modern times, I was like, Oh, that sounds familiar. He's going there. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah so we talked about bit. violence, disregard for the truth, verbal and not uh, verbal and, uh, and like physical violence that right. really stuck out. Cause I just think about any chat room I've ever seen or any comment section I've ever seen <laughs> online and be like, yeah, there's verbal violence here. Yes. And then the fourth one was selfishness, selfishness and greed. So here's what Keith said. You cannot win the battle. And these are four battles. Battlefields, you know, there's, there's honestly like who knows mm. how many battlefields, quote unquote, yeah, you yeah. come up with. He said you cannot win the battle in the crowd. In the crowd, his his charge at the end of the sermon was step out of the crowd mm. and and um, step and, out and speak up. I think yeah. is what he said. Step out, speak up. It was like you yeah. can't win the battle in the crowd. Jesus said you're for me or you're against me. There are two sides, no middle ground. And so I just, I guess where my my brain went to is this, and I know we were going to go to <clears throat> Jesus for some practical examples. So what Keith is saying is like, look at if you want to win the battle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in your life to, you know, um, the battle to keep your faith and honor God and, and, and live a life that honors him and make disciples, and grow the you're church, not going to yeah. do that in a crowd of highly sexually immoral, immoral people. You're not going to do that in a, with a high amount of violence or people mm-hmm. that are prone to violence, even if it is just the verbal kind, right? Yep. Like just, you know, whether it's, you know, a news channel or it's Facebook or it's a video game chat room. Yeah. Like if people are mean, you're not going to win the battle living there. Yeah. You're not going to win the battle making your camp with people that disregard the truth of God. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to win the battle ar- with around people that are selfish and greedy. Yep. But then here's the rub though, as Christians is we're supposed to love and reach those people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that, Casey? So I think a lot of that is it's, the, the thing that he got to that I really liked 
was that when we prepare to go out and face that battlefield, we are given um, in like Ephesians, we've talked about this a couple times, the armor of God. And what Keith said is, you know, you can look at different kinds of soldiers, but this is a battle that has to be fought with armor. It can't be fought with camouflage. Those of some of us try to put on the uniform of the armor, but a lot of us try to put on the uh, try to put on a uniform of camouflage to try to fit in and blend in with everybody and. And that's not the way that we can fight this battle. And that's the thing that jumped out to me is that you, if you're, you're surrounded by these people and these things, you need to find a way to stand out and have that armor protect you from it, but actually be someone that they, that people look at and say, Oh, that person is different. That that's person right. is living, living differently. What is it about that? And then, and that could be a good question for our grow groups is like, guys, do you feel like you're putting on more of the camouflage? Mm -hmm. People don't know your faith. They don't know your testimony. They don't even know that you go to church. Like, do you feel like you got more of the camo or do you have the armor of God? Might be a fun little exercise to go through the armor pieces. They all relate to very important things like mm -hmm. the helmet of salvation, the yeah. thing that protects our mind as being saved by Jesus Christ and yeah. the gospel, right? The breastplate of righteousness, mm -hmm. protecting your heart and your vital organs, the belt of truth that's holding everything up. Oh, it's gosh, like, whoa, yeah. truth. And, yeah, and the belt was, <clears throat> other people know, the belt was the thing you put on first and everything else depended on the belt. If you don't have yeah. that belt on tight and straight, the rest of your armor will, like, will fall off and not sit right. Yeah, and it's talked about the the shoes of the gospel, the right? So it's yeah. like your your feet are 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 um, equipped with shoes that were relating to the gospel. So that means that we're supposed to be going, yeah. going and sharing our faith. It's not a hunker down and and just make yeah. it through your life, hoping the enemy doesn't take you out. Yeah, it's, it's like no, we got to go. We got to go make disciples. It's not the entrenching tool of digging the yourself in and hiding in a foxhole. It's the shoes of the getting out and walking. The shovel of making it. <laughs> the <laughs> like, shovel like of just getting that's through. That's not in the of Bible. burying your head in the sand. That's not in the Bible. But um, there's a couple of really good scriptural references for stuff like this, though, and they both come from revelation is when um, John is being told to send these letters to some of the major churches of the time. One of the letters is to Sardis where it says, um, um, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. The, we did this in a series a little while ago called strengthen what remains. They were being called to because the church of Sardis was adopting things from the culture. They were really mm. blending with the culture, trying to just be like, okay, well I'll, I'll accept that as true as, as long as you can come to church a little bit. And yeah. they were being called out. Then the church of, oh, you, you pronounce it. Laodicea, Laodicea is how I had someone pronounce that one where it's like, it's the hot and the cold yeah. equals lukewarm, and God says, "I'll sp uh, spit anybody will yeah. spit that out of your mouth." It's disgusting. You want it either hot or cold, and if God's like, truth is hot and the world's uh, truth is small cold. t is cold, and then you put those together, and yeah. it's like, oh, it's gross. It's, it's, it's like just, coffee. It's delicious cold. It's delicious hot, but lukewarm coffee is one of the worst things ever. <laughs> and we even had a, a young a young man who uh, got baptized this last week, and yes, that was his. Did. I won't tell his testimony for him, but the word he uses is I felt like I was being lukewarm and I don't want to be that anymore. It was a so, powerful thing. He was, he was like, you know, he's a teenager and he decided he's going to stop being that lukewarm and step out. So because God's spirit is living and active, like, man, God is on the move. He is living and active. We have the spirit in our life and this young man felt convicted. So I would just turn to our listeners and say, where do you feel convicted? Yep. Maybe there's something right now. You're like, I know this person should know more about my faith. I know that I should try to step in and help people yeah. as a practical minister. Maybe it's like telling your coworkers mm -hmm. that you'll pray for them. Yeah. You know, hey, can I pray for you? And if you just say that consistently enough, eventually someone's like, I'm going through 
fill in the blank. Yeah. And I would love your prayers. And uh, you know what I mean? Like something small, even like that. Well, and the, the other thing too, is to look and see maybe where are one of these places that you're not just um, uh, fitting in, but you're joining in. Like, are you maybe someone who gets on Facebook and just bashes people even if it's like in the name of you know the of Jesus or the word, yeah. are you getting are you getting on and being like ver- and having a verbally abusive conversations? Are you someone who is you know you know caught up in 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 the pornography problem that we have in America? Are you someone who is you know otherwise like maybe selfish and greedy? Will someone look at you and say, well, if you're a Christian and you're violent or you're selfish and greedy, then I don't understand the difference between Christianity. We have to step out. What are the ways that you are that you are actively participating that you need to stop, let alone standing out and just showing people that we are different? And I would just and I would just close with that. I agree 100 percent, Casey. I would close with think about Jesus. Whenever it gets complicated, go back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He had his 12 disciples. He that was his crowd. He, yeah. His crowd wasn't the Pharisees who had a disregard for like biblical truth about mm-hmm. the actual kingdom. He didn't make his crowd with the Sadducees. He didn't make his crowd with uh, Gentiles. He didn't make his crowd with sinners. Mm-hmm. His crowd, like his yeah. core group were the 12 disciples. And then side note, um, that you don't have to feel pressure to have the perfect friend group because even Jesus had a Judas. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 11. <laughs> and 11 he picked him. He picked, he picked, he 11, and picked his 12 people. 11 of the 12 were amazing, but right. one of them wasn't. But here's the point. He ate meals. He spent time. He spent his weekends with Christians mm. who loved God and who are true. Yeah. So some of us, like you and I, Casey, we work at a church, so we're surrounded by people that encourage our belief system. Yeah. You right now, you guys might you might be working somewhere that is secular. Yeah. It does not believe in God. It does not worship God. Mm-hmm. It does not play Christian music in the background yeah. while you're working. And so, I would just say that in your environment, yeah. five days a week, try to find some Christian friends. Yep. And God might be leading you to share your faith. You might make a Christian friend. But on the weekends, I just want to say this. If you spend your weekday with non-Christians, if you spend your weekends with non-Christians, if you spend your time with people that disregard the truth of God, I'm telling you it will degrade your faith yeah. and you will fall away from God. Maybe not. we don't believe in losing salvation, yeah. but you will fall away from this thriving faith if you're consistently trying to win the battle in a crowd that does yeah. not believe what we believe. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too, and one of the important delineations to say that, you know, we did see Jesus. He did eat with sinners. You are going to be in places where that's you're surrounded right. by different things, but when he was there, he was there to tell them, hey, there's a better way. And when he mm. was approached by people who wanted to shame him for that, like the Pharisees, he, w- he had things to say back to them. He it wasn't yep. quiet. He didn't shy down. So look at these things, ask yourself these questions, and we hope you go out and step out of the crowd this week. <laughs>